0: Morning, church. How are you today? Uh, You know, normally 9 o'clock beats you guys, but that was pretty good. Nate, can somebody do me a favor real quick, in all seriousness? Can somebody go outside and yell at Indiana and tell it it's not supposed to rain in the winter? Yeah, it's not supposed to be a slushy out there. It's absurd. (laughs) I'm already grumpy and I haven't even started this is weird hey you know during first service uh, I looked down here right so I was in the prayer room the whole time and I looked down here to see how many cards were put in here and as I look now guys, I'm baffled this is awesome this is awesome the fact that you guys were willing to actually put it out there and have somebody pray for you that's a big deal well done Seriously, that's huge. You know, 2020, here we go, you guys ready? 2020, what a year, man, 2020, I would say it's a year that most of us would never forget. Am I alone in that? You guys think you'll forget what happened in 2020? Now, it seemed like everybody's experience in 2020 was just slightly different, but there was a lot of things that we were kind of united in, right? So maybe you lost a job. Maybe as a student, you were forced to finish your school year online. Maybe you didn't get to go to prom, or you didn't get to actually walk at your graduation. Maybe you had a sports season that got canceled or postponed. You know, maybe you had a big trip that was planned, and you were just super pumped to just get away, but that didn't happen. Maybe you had a lost, uh, you lost a loved one, and you couldn't attend their funeral. I know that that was pretty common, and that was rough. Maybe you have a loved one who was getting married, and they actually couldn't have the wedding that they hoped because of all of the stuff going on. You know, maybe you've been stuck in your house, and You haven't been able to see family or friends that you enjoy being with, right? I would say that all of us had some things in common in 2020. And I think the biggest thing is that we all hated 2020. Am I right? You know, so as the pastor of communications, I spend a fair amount of time on the internet, which means I get to look at really funny things. So I'm going to share some of them with you. Here we go. 2020, if it was a swing, (laughs) if it was a pinata, We all needed toilet paper, right? And that's kind of what it felt like. Who doesn't like that good old hot dog water? I'd say we all kind of went through a pretty rough patch called an entire year. Good old Billy Mays. But wait, there's more. Kind of felt like it, didn't it? And yes, so we would all say we were living in a pit of despair. And this is the one, man. I don't know how many times I saw in December, can't wait for 2021. Oh, wait. 2021 means more than one thing, right? You know, I think that most of us would say that 2021 was a hard year. And I would say that we were pretty united in a lot of things in 2020. And at the same time, I would say that we were relatively divided in 2020. So I put together a list of six different things that kind of uh, divided us. They were in the news. They were major things in our culture, in the globe, in general, right? But specifically in the United States. 2020, right? We saw a massive rise in justice for all people. We had a public health crisis, right? Wear a mask, stay home, stay away from each other. We had the economy, people are Just screaming, small businesses are not going to survive through this, right? Like people are losing jobs, like they're going to lose their homes. How are people going to be able to pay? We got folks that are over here talking about government overreach, right? How come they get to tell us where we can and can't go and what we can and can't do? We had the just fantastic end of 2020 known as the election, right? Vote for this person or that person, right? If you don't vote for the right person, clearly you're horrible, And the whole time we've got, man, why are people so anti-cops and first responders, right? They're civil servants. And so these things dominated the headlines, and these were things that easily divided America. And what I saw is that these very things started creeping into the church, and so you started having Christians say, here's the deal, how can you be a Christian and not believe that there should be equal justice for all people, right? Everyone is created in the image of God, why? Why? are certain people not allowed the same level of justice as other people. You had Christians that would say, public health, how on earth can you be a Christian and not wear a mask? How can you be a Christian and go out into public? How can you be a Christian and not stay at home? People saying, you know what? How can you be a Christian and not care about people's financial well-being? People have to eat. They need to be able to pay on their mortgage or pay their rent, right? Like people are going to lose their homes, they're going to lose their jobs. How can you not care about that? And then you had, how can you be a Christian and care about the fact that Kroger is open and Walmart is open, but churches are closed? The election, right? How, how can you be a Christian and vote this particular way? How can you be a Christian and not support police and first responders. And I would hear conversations in this building. I would see what people post online. Had a lot of friends, a lot of family, they got very wrapped up into all of this. And they're picking sides and what things they're going to defend and what things they're going to attack. And at the end of 2020, as so I just kind of sat back and thought through all that God did in my life, I thought to myself, you know what? If every year for the rest of my life played out the way that 2020 did, is my what, is my life worth living? If every year that I'm on this earth is filled with the same level of disappointment, filled with the same level of annoyance, filled with the same level of everything that I felt, would my life be worth living And so I wanna ask you the same question. If every year of the rest of your life played out the way that 2020 did, is your life worth living? That's a pretty harsh question, so I'm gonna ask it in a slightly different way. Where is your hope? Where is your hope? Because to me, that's what 2020 screamed all year long. What is your hope in? What is your hope in? what is your hope in? No, your hope is wrong. My hope is right. Your hope is stupid. My, my hope is smart, right? Like all year, what is your hope in? This is what we're going to talk about today. What is your hope in? Because I think no matter what 2021 holds and 22, 23, and however long you're here on this earth, you're always going to be looking for hope. People have been looking for hope since Genesis 3 when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and got kicked out from the garden, right? And you've seen it literally story after story after story after story. Looking for hope in family, looking for hope in kids, looking for hope in booze, looking for hope in sex, looking for hope in a job, looking for hope in a car, looking for hope in all these things. Because we're creatures that need hope. Without hope, there's no point. I think that's something that 2020 revealed greatly. The level of depression and anxiety, the levels of overdose, the levels of suicide were through the roof because of the very question, where is your hope? As I began thinking through, what do we talk about? Where do we dig in? Where do we point people to hope in Scripture? It became very, very evident that it would be in the book of First Peter. So that's where we're going to be this morning, right? We're going to dig in to 1 Peter. We're going to read through several verses. But to give you a little context, this letter was written by Peter. He actually says so, right? I wrote this letter, and I'm writing it to you. But here's the deal. Peter's writing this letter to churches that are in the Roman Empire, And at that point, the Roman Empire was a world superpower. They had the biggest army, they had the strongest economy. Geographically, they were the largest, spanning from England all the way to India. They were massive. It was made up of a lot of ethnicities, cultures, races, languages, backgrounds, ideologies, beliefs. And Christianity was the new kid on the block. And despite its wealth and power, the Roman Empire was self Destructing. And so not only is Christianity new, but there's a massive power grab taking place where all of these different ideologies and beliefs and cultures and ethnicities, they're playing king of the hill trying to get to the top. And so you're seeing this massive division within the empire and that division starts to creep into the church. And so Peter realizes what's going on and he writes this letter and he's saying, hey, here's the deal. There are problems out there that should not be problems in here. There is division out there that should not be division in here. There are conversations out there that should not be conversations in here. We believe that Jesus is the solution. Quit trying to add to it. The church is an outpost. We are an embassy here on earth for the kingdom of God. Don't let out there come in here. Specifically, SCC. Right, we're to bring hope and healing to our community. Not let the problems, divisions, and conversations infiltrate us. So we're going to start First Peter verse. Uh, sorry, First Peter chapter five, verses twelve. Verse twelve. Clearly, my grammar is great. Peter literally gives us why he's writing this letter. He says, "My purpose in writing is to encourage you and to assure you that you are that what you are experiencing is truly part of God's grace for you. Stand firm in his grace." Right? To encourage someone means to put courage in them. So Peter's saying, "Here's the deal. There's a whole mess of fear going on. My goal is to put courage in you." Okay? Because fear is contagious, but so is courage. I'm going to point you to courage. Here's some courage. Take this and run with it. Here's the deal. Everyone is experiencing the same thing, but the children of God have something special. They have his grace. Stand firm in that. Stand firm in that. Things are crazy out there. You have his grace. Stand firm in that. Church, things are crazy out there. Stand firm in his grace. So now we're going to jump to the beginning of this letter. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion of Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, in the sanctification of the spirit for obedience to Jesus Christ and for the sprinkling of his blood may grace and peace be multiplied to you so in the beginning peter introduces this letter by basically saying here's who i am here's who you are and here is who god is So Peter starts out, my name is Peter, I am an apostle of Jesus Christ, right? To be an apostle means that you were a faithful eyewitness of Jesus' ministry, that you saw his resurrection, and that you were personally called and sent by Jesus to build the church. So it's by no means that Peter's not flexing, but he's just stating, here's the deal, I know the man, I saw him, I saw what he did, and he has sent me to do this work. So now we know who Peter is, right? So he says, here is who God is. God is a father. He is the spirit. He is the son. God is a trinity. And that within the trinity, there are specific roles. And then Peter does something that to me, as I I read this and started studying this, I'm like, this is hands down the best way to understand my existence here on earth. He calls us elect exiles. Elect exiles exiles, right? These two words make tremendous sense of what it means to be a Christian here on earth, right? Elect, here's what that means, to be chosen, adopted, picked, or selected, right? If we're using the language of family, it would be this, God is a father and he has adopted you, that he loves you, he wants to do life with you, he wants to bring you into the family, he wants to bless you, he wants to take care of you, you are my kid now. How amazing is that? Then he goes on to the second word. This one doesn't feel very good. To be an exile. To be kicked out. Rejected. You don't fit. It's uncomfortable. It doesn't feel like home. You don't feel welcome. It's constantly disappointing. Am I the only one that feels this tension between, I know that God loves me, and I feel blessed by him, and called by him, and I get everything from him, and at the same time, I don't feel like I belong here. Cool, I'm the only one. All right. I felt this more in the last week and a half than I have in a very long time what does it mean to be an elect exile? Here's the deal, right? Uh, I have a vision to start a shop ministry here in Shelbyville, right? We're going to take folks coming out of difficult life, past uh, history, um, addiction, homelessness, whatever it may be, incarceration, right? We're going to teach them how to do woodworking. We're going to build furniture. We're going to sell it to the community, and we're going to use those funds to continue doing this with more and more people here in our community, okay? And so, Uh, not this past Friday, but the one before, Brian Baker, who owns Builders, had a tool demo at his store, and he had this company called Freud Tools, and they were there, and they were showing off sandpaper, and router bits, and saw blades, and all the things that you need for your tools to do things, okay? And so I went, and I started asking him random questions about his line of tools, and the things that Brian's going to carry in his store, and I was like, oh, that's really cool, and I got ready to walk out the door, and I felt this check in my spirit that said, tell him what you're about to do, Okay, so I went up to the tool rep and I said here's uh, I I got a question for you I said I don't know if you're the right person or not, but here's what I want to do right now I build stuff in my garage But I want to open a commercial shop and we're gonna do this and he looked at me and He said man the world would be a better place with stuff like that in it. I said I I agree And I said I don't know if you do corporate sponsorships or if you're the right person to talk to He said well said we don't do ongoing relationships but if you give me a list of everything you need to get started I'll get it to Brian so he can get it to you. Right? And it's a good thing that I had a mask on cuz my mouth got droopy, right? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like I was ready to leave and God's like, "No. Nah, go go tell him what you're going to do. I want to see what happens." And I got in my car and I drove to a meeting with Pastor Brad and with an individual in our community. He doesn't go to our church, he's just incredibly excited about what we're doing. And so Brad and I sat at a table with him, and he said, you know what, I've read through every word of your all-in materials, I've looked at your websites, I've watched every video, and I want to come alongside you guys. And he said, I love to network, that's my favorite thing, and so I want to offer you my network and finances and facilities. And so my mouth is like open from the first meeting and now my eyeballs are hanging out of my face after the second meeting and I walk out into the parking lot with Brad and I'm like, well, that was encouraging and we both just laughed. Like I felt his blessing in crazy ways in one morning. And so I've kind of been living on that high for a few days, and we're sitting in the theater room. It's Wednesday. We're at a leadership conference. It's all the staff, some of the elders, some volunteers. And I'm like, all right, cool. What leadership stuff is in here that I can dig out, that I can use in this shop, that I can use here at SCC? And my phone starts to ring. And I look at it, and I'm like, oh, it's not normal that I get a call from my car mechanic, considering my car is not in the shop. And at the conference, it was a time of, like, prayer and reflection. I'm like, I can't take this right now. And so the the phone stops ringing, and I get a text immediately, and it says, hey, call me, please. So I called him. I said, hey, Sean, what's going on? She's gone, Craig. She's gone. I lost my mom. I want you to do the funeral. You know my family. I want you to do it. I said, oh, I'd love to do that, Sean. I said, what happened? He said, she had a heart attack. She literally died in my arms. So that's a day I'm never going to forget. So what I have found, the longer that I've been here on earth, is that as one of God's chosen, a believer, you are my brothers and sisters, we are in his family, is that God will bless the snot out of you. And at the same time, you will not feel like you fit in here and you will experience things you were never designed to experience. The pink one of his kids is one of the greatest blessings, and living on earth is one of the biggest burdens. If you want to know why 2020 was so hard, because it was that. It was a burden, it was a weight something nobody wanted to be a part of, nobody wanted to wrestle with it, nobody wanted to deal with it. To be an elect exile is one of the best ways I have ever seen this described as to what it means to be a Christian here on earth. We are, we're exiles, and we're far away from home. With God, we've been picked, we've been chosen, we've been selected, we've been adopted, we've been blessed, we've been loved, we've been invited in. Yet in the world, we've been rejected, and we don't fit in, and we're not welcome, and it's constantly disappointing, and it doesn't feel like home. Has anybody else felt that? Now, I used to think that in life there would be seasons of good and seasons of bad, or that there would be good times and bad times, and that it was a pretty clear-cut, you know, defini- you know, defined time where I'm in a good season, now I'm in a rough season. I'm in a good season, I'm in a rough season. And what I've started to understand more and more is that good and bad kind of run together like a set of train tracks, you've got two rails that are running in the same direction, and you're going to experience the good, and you're going to experience the bad, and that is the way that our life is going to be. And I love it that Peter actually uses this language for a short term. You're going to experience this, we're going to dig into that. Verse 3 it says, "'Praise be to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ.'" In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living what? Hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed to you in the last time. In all of this, you greatly rejoice. Though now, for a little while... You may have had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. Guys, this is our life. I love this, Peter. I praise God that he has a plan for saving people. And then his plan it includes change life here on earth and an inheritance in heaven and security until we get there. Praise God for his great mercy. And not that we just don't get what we deserve, but that mercy is God's pity towards us in spite of our sin and because of our total helplessness. Praise God that he's fixed what we can't fix, and praise God that he initiated it. It still blows my mind. Praise God for new birth. All right, we were all born physically. That's how we got here. Thanks, Mom. We're told, you got to be born again, right? And Jesus actually challenged a man by the name of Nicodemus. He said, in order for you to follow me, you actually have to be born again. Nicodemus is like, well, how do I, I'm a little bigger than my mom, right? It's a different kind of birth. It's a birth that comes from above. It is a birth that literally begins inside and works its way out. This new birth changes our status before God, and it changes our lifestyle before others. It's a beautiful new life, right? To be born again, to be born from above, to be transformed from the inside out. Praise God. And I love this, right? When we're born again, we're born into a living hope, a living hope. This doesn't mean that we're full of hope, but it means that there is a fixed hope, It is unchanging, it is unmoving, right? This hope is not a moving target, it's not a social trend, it's not an issue that we have to overcome. Our hope is stationary, it's concrete, it's static, it's set, it's not going anywhere. You can keep your eyes fixed on it. People that have been born again have a clear vision of what God will do for them in the future. That is a living hope. As God's kids, we have hope in a special inheritance, an inheritance that's never going to perish, it's never going to spoil, it's never going to fade. There's all sorts of things you can invest your money in, invest your wealth in, invest your time in, invest your talents in. This is something that you're always going to see a return on. inheritance, it's salvation, it's eternity in the kingdom of God. I want that. This inheritance, it's secure. It's literally being kept in heaven for you, right? It doesn't matter how the stock market is doing. It doesn't matter how the housing market is doing. It's never going to get lost to a natural disaster. It can never be stolen. It's secure, If you want 100% foolproof investment, invest in the kingdom of God. I love this. Peter describes this whole thing. He says, here's the deal. You're a massive screw-up. God sees the issue and makes a solution. You can't do it yourself, so God does it for you. And then he offers you this beautiful inheritance that you don't deserve, nor did you earn, Oh, yeah, and he's keeping guard of it for you. What? This is crazy. And Peter goes on to say, the only thing you have to do for any of that is have faith and believe. Faith that Jesus died for your sins and rose from the dead. It's the gospel, right? That Jesus came, that he died for the forgiveness of our sins, and that he defeated death. That's what we have to have faith in. There's your hope. That's what you have hope in. That's never fading. That's never spoiling. That's never moving. That's something that is fixed that we can constantly look at. We don't have to say Jesus and social justice, Jesus and the right political party, Jesus and the economy. No, he's saying, look at me. I'm your living hope. Have faith in me. Invest in me. Trust in me. Those that put their faith in Jesus are born again into a new life, are given a fixed hope, and have it is a secured inheritance. I love this. And because of that, we rejoice. But here's the deal you're going to struggle for a little bit, you're going to experience some stuff that's not very fun. You're going to go to funerals, you're going to get sick. Maybe you lose your job, you're going to get let down. You're going to experience all sorts of trials for a little while. How long? For your life. Here's the deal. Our time on earth is a blink in eternity. A little while, you're going to experience some trouble. So I want to ask you the same question I asked you at the beginning. What are you looking forward to? Where is your hope? Is your hope in a political party? Is your hope in a vaccine? Is your hope in a president? Is your hope in a social justice movement? Is your hope in an investment? Is your hope in your spouse? Is your hope in your kids? Is your hope in a bottle? Is your hope on a website? Where is... Your hope, because hope has to be in something bigger and better than everything else, and His name is Jesus. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for Paul or for Peter. Thank you for His word. Thank you for His faith, for His struggles, for His doubts, for all the things that Peter went through that got him to a point where he could pen a letter like this to believers. Thank you that we got to dig in just slightly, that we got to hear from you this morning. Jesus, I pray that everyone in this room and everyone watching online, that they would find their hope in you, that your death and that your resurrection is a living hope that we can constantly look to, that it doesn't move, that it doesn't fade, that it doesn't corrode, but that it's always there for us. Jesus, I pray as we get ready to sign up for small groups and and move on throughout our day that we wouldn't be lost in this. That this truth of us being blessed by you and burdened by the world, that we would understand that that's an identity, that that's why things don't feel right. And I pray that when we get into those situations where we feel so overwhelmed by our burdens that we would continue to look to that fixed living hope that is you. I pray this in your name. Amen. You know, I think that one of the best things we can do when it comes to hope is to surround ourselves with other people that have the same hope that we do. I think that regularly sitting down with other believers and challenging each other, pointing each other to that hope, it's one of the best things you can do, especially in years like 2020 and now 2021. I think having other brothers and sisters willing to push you to the Father, point you to the Father, pick you up when you've fallen down, it's one of the best things you can do. It's an investment worth making. So as Mike comes up, listen, and if God prompts you to join a particular group, do it. This is definitely not going to be a waste, right?